Looking around and I can see nobody. Well, there's, there's three other people here. Uh, that's been sort of on my mind during the week. How am I going to do this? And so I thought to myself, I'm going to channel Miss Patricia. Who? Now, all you oldies will know who Miss Patricia is. She used to be on Romper Room, and she had this magic mirror, Pat, magic mirror, that she could look through and she could see all the boys and girls watching Romper Room. So I used to always be upset about that because, you know, she never called out my name. And I used to wait and wait every day listening for my name, but it didn't come. But I, I know that you're there. I know that you're there. This morning I'd like to take a moment to think about red-letter days. Red-letter days. Now, what's a red-letter day? A red-letter day is, is a, a day that's designated uh, as a memorial, uh, a memorable, joyous day or event. Now, this thing sort of, sort of got a hold in 1700 AD because it was customary then to mark all the religious holidays. For example, Easter in a calendar in red ink. Interesting, isn't it? And that's why it's called a red letter day. I just want you to take a couple of moments now to think about your red letter days. Now, you're going to have quite a few depending on how old you are. For example, if you're around 18, uh, maybe your red-letter day was getting a, a Toyota 86, Blake. Yeah? That was a big day for you. In your 20s, maybe it was your wedding, if you got married in your 20s. Uh, big day, big event. In your 30s, early 30s, mid-30s, maybe the birth of your child, a first baby, very big event. Very big event. When you're in your 40s, perhaps uh, it could be a promotion at work. You're the dream job, you know, the, the big office uh, uh, with, with your name on the door and everything, that would be good. Red letter day. But maybe in your 50s, in your mid-50s maybe, maybe the red letter day would be being able to join the, the seniors group here at Monty. Yeah, I reckon that would be a big red letter day. Now, in your 60s, that's where I am, right? I'm in my 60s. I know I don't look 60. Anyway, uh, retirement. Oh, wouldn't that be good? And it's good not having to drive to work, uh, you said, yeah? Imagine not going to work at all. That would be brilliant. What a day that's going to be. Maybe in your 60s, a red letter day is your... Holding your first grandchild. I know I experienced that and it was, it was a brilliant day. And then, and then for some 60s it would be the world cruise. Though I think at the moment the world cruise is a little bit, you know, not as uh, popular as, as it used to be. So I've had a few. I've had a few red letter days. We've all had red letter days. If you were to pick one, you had to pick one red letter day. I wonder what it would be. I've had a few. My wedding day was very, very important to me. Remember it like it was yesterday. Literally, it was. It was. It was a, a very special day. The birth of my two girls. I was there at the birth. 
never forget those days and then I wasn't at the actual birth but I was waiting outside the doors the birth of my grandchildren they were very special days too and of course getting saved becoming a believer in Jesus Christ I remember that that evening uh, in Elizabeth Street uh, East Coburg so I've got a few but if I was to pick one what would it be one red letter day remember a red letter day is to be the most significant the most joyous the most memorable day you could have but let me tell you resurrection Sunday is God's red letter day God's red letter day why is that why am I saying that well you see resurrection Sunday allows God to actually demonstrate his love, his mercy and his grace. You think about that. Think about that for a moment. You know, creation demonstrates to the whole world, to everybody, God's power, his majesty. Just the other night I came downstairs from doing a little bit of prep work for this sermon and Pauline was watching a little doco thing about tigers. Not the ones at the MCG, not those ones, the real ones. Magnificent animals. And I was watching the, the cubs and, and everything. And it was just wonderful. And I just couldn't help but be amazed at God's power to be able to create such a beautiful creature. And God's law, the law of God, it displays, he's able to display there his holiness, his purity, his righteousness. You know, we still have in, in, in the world today, the, the Jew-Christian world, we still base most of our laws of the land on what God has put down in his word. But none of those things... Creation, the law, none of those actually display and demonstrate to us his love, his grace, or his mercy. They don't. Now there's a little phrase as you read through the New Testament, raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. It's referring obviously to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the in the NIV, and because there's a quite a few different uh, um, uh, versions or translations of the Bible, but in the NIV there are 30 plus times that little phrase comes up. And I'd like to read you a little passage now from Romans chapter 8, verse 5. And it refers to this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, for if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? 
It's talking about the resurrection. And you know, there's quite a little bit of, of explanation of what I've just read in the next few verses. And then you get to chapter 6. And listen to what it says in chapter 6, verse 5. It says, So, if we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Now, as you read through the New Testament, I'd encourage you to do this. Get yourself a little pencil or something, and and as you read through it, underline that little phrase. It'll come up in, in various forms, but raised from the dead. And just note how often it comes up and what it's connected to and the relevance of it for, for you and me. Because it displays God's love. Mercy and grace. You know, even at, at the birth of Christ, and we make a very big deal of that. Because, you know, we don't like to celebrate death. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do, does it, Pat? To celebrate death. Death is sort of something we, we think about with, with, remor- with, with, with sadness and, and mourning. Occasionally, when I go to my mum and dad's. Uh, uh, where the mausoleum is, where they, where they have been uh, interned. I never go there feeling good and I always leave there with a little bit of sadness. And that's why we celebrate birthdays. They're much better. You know, the balloons, the streamers, the cake and the, the, the increasing number of candles every year. But, you know, last year it was my, my privilege again, even though I did, it was because I drew the short straw, to, to tell, talk to you at this time again last year about Easter. And we noted last year that the Bible mentions the Lord's death far more often than his birth. And I highlighted to you that the birth of Jesus Christ is recorded in two Gospels, but his death is in all four. But more than that, right through the New Testament, all the epistles, all the writings in the New Testament are full of mentions of the Lord's death and his resurrection. In fact, the Lord's death and resurrection is intimately connected uh, with salvation, with our adoption into the family of God, with our redemption. It's connected to new life, resurrection, New life, that egg that Paul Ryder was mentioning. It's talk, it talks about heaven and because of the resurrection there's forgiveness and then there's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit which God sent. When? After the resurrection. And then what we've been looking at as a church here over the last few months, the transformation of a person's life to become Christ-like, that's also connected to that little phrase, raised from the dead. I would encourage you to read through the New Testament and mark that little, that little phrase. And you know, it's really interesting, isn't it, too? We've just celebrated the Lord's Supper. The Lord himself gave a command to celebrate his death, burial and resurrection. Never said anything about his birthday, Andy. Nothing. Nothing. Didn't mention it. Interesting, isn't it? Even more than his death, the resurrection is the catalyst, the catalyst for all that God had planned 
as far as redemption go. Man's redemption, the catalyst for that was the resurrection. Yes, the Lord died on the cross and he suffered there and he paid for our sins. But the redemption of man starts from the resurrection. God raised him from the dead 30 plus times it it, it says. And I'm just going to very quickly summarize just 10 of them for you, just to show you, just to show you and, and indicate to you how important resurrection is, the fact that he was raised from the dead. The very first sermon that was given after the Lord was risen, given by the Apostle Peter, in second in, in uh, chapter 2 uh, of Acts, verse 24, Peter declares very clearly, he says, God raised him from the dead. That's what marked this man, Jesus. And then he said to, him, said to, said to the people that God, after he raised him from the dead, he sat him or seated him at his right hand. That's a very important place, place of privilege and power and position. And in verse 36, he said, The man that God had raised from the dead made him Lord and Christ. So the resurrection validates, validates all that Jesus claimed to be. Validates him as the Saviour, as, as God's Messiah. You know... The Lord, when he was here in Matthew 16, said that there would be a sign coming from heaven, a sign from heaven that would validate all the things that he said, validate that he was the Messiah. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, yeah, the sign from heaven. When the heavens opened up and and God said, this is my beloved son, yes, that was a sign, but, Pat, it wasn't the sign. It wasn't that one. What What about when the dove came down? And landed on the Lord's uh, Lord's head. No, that wasn't the sign. It was a sign, but it wasn't the sign. The Lord made it very clear, didn't he? He said it was the sign, the same sign as the one that that we get from the story of Jonah. And what was that? That from death is uh, there is resurrection and new life. And that's what the sign from heaven was, that, that God looked down at the tomb and raised his son, Jesus Christ, and made it known to the world. That's why we remember the Lord's death every Sunday here at, uh, at Montmorency. That's why the world takes a, a day or two to, to mark this wonderful occasion. In Acts 17... It talks about a time in the future, a time of judgment where God will judge every man and woman, their thoughts, their deeds. But he's going to do this through a man. A particular man is going to set him up to be the judge of the world. Who is this man? How are we going to know it's him? Well, if you look at Acts 17, verse 31, it says, you'll know him because it was the man that God raised from the dead. Resurrection, there it is again. In Romans 1, 4, it says that, that God declared this man, Jesus, to be the Son of God by raising him from the dead. 
In Romans 4.25, it says that we have our justification in Jesus Christ. He is our justification. Why? It says there, because God raised him from the dead. In Romans 8.11, it says there that, that, that the Spirit of God indwells us. Why? Because God had raised him from the dead. That, that talks about our adoption. We, we, we become the, the, the children of God because of the resurrection, because we have the same spirit. We have the spirit of God indwelling on us. And Romans 10 and 9, how often have we quoted that? How often has it been mentioned from the pulpit? But have a look at this verse. Have a look at this verse. It says there that if we believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Huh? That's very clear, isn't it? That if we believe that God had raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we will be saved. That's how important the resurrection is. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 14, it says, it says that, I love this verse. Have a listen to this, Pat. It says that we will be raised by the same power that raised Jesus at the resurrection, the very same. So the way that God raised his son is going to be how he raises any believer that, 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 that goes to be with the Lord and is buried. We will all be raised like that, the same power. And there's also another reference like, uh, similar to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is looking at the resurrection in a, in a, in a negative sense. If it didn't happen, if it was a lie, if it was a story, a make-up, a made-up story, Paul says there that what I'm doing this morning, it's in vain, Raph. Our preaching, our preaching is in vain. Telling people about Jesus is in vain if there's no resurrection. It says, it says, brothers and sisters, that your faith, your faith in Jesus Christ is futile. And he makes it very clear that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we would still be in our sins. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10, it says, it says that we who believe will be rescued from the wrath to come by the one God raised from the dead. And in 1 Peter, which we'll be looking at in a few weeks, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 21, it says that, that we believe in God by the one that God raised from the dead. So believing in the resurrection is the same as believing in God. And if you believe in God, you must believe in the resurrection. Now I've left one reference out. Because you know, you and I have many red letter days. Even though the resurrection is, I believe, God's red letter day, this reason for it is, uh, I think, the reddest of the red. This is, this is really the red part of the red letter day. And we read it together this morning. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. This is it's written in red in my Bible. 
And the Lord said this, brothers and sisters. He says, this is what is written. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. This is what we celebrate this morning. We think back and remember and we celebrate it. But brothers and sisters, that's not the end of the verse. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This is what God wanted. This is what God planned. This is how God demonstrates his love, mercy and grace. And it started from the day he raised his son. You know, God was able to do all the things that he had planned, all the things that he wanted because of the resurrection, which means that he would not be able to do those things if, unless the Lord was raised up. When you look through the New Testament, I urge you to do this. When you read the New Testament, think of it through that lens. Think of it in that light. Now, now God can actually show us and demonstrate to us his love, his mercy, his grace. Resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ allows God to do this justly. Now, I, 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 I qualify it by saying that because now there is no reason. Nobody can say, oh, you know, but Raph's sins were never paid for. Yes, they were. They were paid by Jesus Christ on a Friday, way back, on a place called Calvary. Oh, but, you know, maybe those sins that he, he did, they were pretty bad. That, you know, was there enough payment? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, plenty of payment. He gave his life, the ultimate sacrifice, the highest price to pay. So God can forgive my sins, brothers and sisters, because of the resurrection. If we read Acts chapter 3, very quickly, I'm just going to read you this passage. I love reading God's word because it tells us things very clearly, very concisely. And it says here, Acts chapter 3, this is part of that very first sermon, very first sermon. You know, know, Peter had said that in verse 24, chapter 3, he says, uh, but God raised him from the dead. And, And in verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life. And so the people have been listening to Peter preaching and telling them how important it was that this man, yes, died, but also raised again. And he said, and the people then listen and, and they say, they say, um, in verse 36, Paul, uh, Peter says, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What are we going to do? And Peter re- replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that, from that moment on, that was the first time the forgiveness of sins was preached in his name, just like he said. You know, Easter is far much is much more than than a four day break or a holiday. I know I know this year is a little bit weird the way we're celebrating Easter because of the virus, 
but it's much more than a, long, a super long weekend that you can get away and fish and surf and whatever. It's much, much more than a religious festival. You know, you know, the, the government was sort of pressured a bit, weren't they, to, to relax the restrictions a bit so that uh, some of the other churches that have festivities uh, can do their, their, their festivities at this time because it is important. It's much more than chocolate Easter eggs and bunnies, though I must admit, Pat, I love the chocolate. You know, it's even more, it's even more than a memorial time when we reflect on on the Lord's death, that great event at Calvary so many years ago. What is Easter? An Easter Easter is, is a reminder. I think it's a reminder to us that God in his love and in his mercy sent a saviour. Sent a saviour. And he clearly identified this saviour as Jesus Christ. There can be no mistake. No mistake. And, and, and right through the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he kept telling his disciples, you know, I've got to die. I need to go and die. I need to go to this place and, and, and pay for sins. And, and, and he had to do it for what we have done, for what I've done, my disobedience to God. And God showed us that he accepted that work. He, God was fully satisfied with that work and that payment for our disobedience by raising him from the dead. Have you benefited? Have you benefited from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you that this morning. Have you benefited from his resurrection? Have your sins been forgiven? Because that's what's on offer now. God forgives sins. Any sins, all sins. No matter how many. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Resurrection is the proof that God is a God of mercy. He's not, he doesn't want to punish people for what they've done, for their disobedience. That's not his heart. He's a God of grace. He's offering salvation through his son so that your sins, like mine, can be forgiven and you can start a new life, raised up in newness of life, in Jesus Christ. If, and don't forget what it said in, in Romans there that we read in chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Will you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? Please, please do that. And you'll experience something not just wonderful, truly amazing. A new life within you. The power of God within you. And the desire to come and worship. So, that's what Easter's all about. That's what, that's what God wants us to think about. His red letter day. The day that his son was raised from the tomb in order that God could demonstrate his love, mercy and grace to us all. I'm going to close in prayer, but before I do that, I have to remind you that not to turn off, 
There's a few, there's about five or six minutes of greetings and stuff uh, from people. It's in place of our morning tea uh, chat. So please stay tuned for another few more minutes after I close in prayer. Thank you. Thank you for, for listening. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully we can do this again next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that you do love us and you've shown this love to us very clearly in sending your Son to be our Saviour. And Father, we, we often think about the Lord Jesus as a, as a babe in a, in a little manger at Bethlehem, but that's not when it happened. That was just the start, a prelude to what was to come. And Father, I thank you that we can, we can look back at the place called Calvary, the place of, of a skull, it says, a place where somebody died in order that my sins might be forgiven. And that somebody was your son your only son. And we thank you, Father. We thank you from the very depths of our hearts for that this morning. But we thank you even more that we, we can look at an empty tomb now. He's not there. Like, like it was said, he's not here. He's risen just like he told you. And, Father, we can have the confidence that, uh, that our sins are forgiven because we believe in your son. Your word tells us, the Lord told us, And, Father, the Holy Spirit, when it comes and dwells in us, confirms to us that we belong to you and our sins are forgiven. And so, Father, this morning I thank you for the Lord Jesus. I thank you for his willingness to die on that cross. And I thank you, Father, for raising him from the dead, showing to us that, yes, our sins truly are forgiven. In his name, amen.